This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and today the topic is All That Glitters Is Not Gold, and we're going to be talking to one of the leading experts on the precious metal marketplace, because today in a world of very diverse investments, gold has always been a strong investment, and it's been a strong investment for millennium, not just for generations or hundreds of years. Its value has fluctuated, and there are a lot of factors that go into that fluctuation. So I'm pleased to have as my guest today someone who can not only demystify investing in gold, but someone who is an expert that can offer even the most savvy investors some insight to the gold and the precious metals marketplace. Peter Hug, the Director of Global Trade for Kitco Metals. Welcome to the Business Hour, Peter. Thank you, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Peter, what is the price of gold this morning? Uh, it started off uh, a little weak at 1162, rallied up uh, over 1172, and has uh, worked its way back down. Currently trading at 1165. Okay, and uh, where do you get that number? Does that number come out of London? No, that's uh, basically uh, New York uh, Comex trading. Uh, the, the gold market basically is a 24/7 market, other than over the weekend, and. Um, so we've uh, we've rolled now from the European market into the uh, New York market, which opened at eight thirty in the morning. Well, <clears throat> let's uh, let's uh, broaden this. Uh, now we've talked specifically about uh, today's uh, price, or at least this morning's price uh, for an ounce of gold. But uh, let's talk about the value of gold, Peter. You must get asked all the time uh, by investors who are either thinking of seriously uh, investing in precious metals, gold specifically, have a reasonably balanced portfolio, and they ask you this very, very broad question. They, they might even have other parts of their investment portfolio that include things that have a much more subjective value, like art, for example. And when they ask you this question... How do you respond? And the question is, uh, Peter, what is the value of gold? <laughs> you know, that's that's a question that I've been asked since I've been in this business since '73, and uh, you know, gold. You know, just to debunk, at least in my opinion, uh, a myth. I mean, gold is 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 not the end all. Uh, investment at all times. I mean, there are times that that uh, gold makes sense to to uh, load up in your portfolio from a point of view of a, a, a speculative position or as a trade. Uh, there are times that you want to hold a portion of your portfolio in gold uh, because there are um, inherent risks either in the domestic or global economies. Uh, there may be risks of uh, you know war, risks of inflation. So there there are generally times when when gold from a perspective of a percentage allocation to your portfolio uh, it makes more sense than at other times uh, so when people ask me should I buy gold um, I mean my first question to them always is what's your motivation in buying the gold 
Are you looking uh, to trade it as a capital gain for a capital gain? Are you looking as a uh, uh, an, an allocation to your portfolio as some type of uh, we'll call it an insurance uh, hedge? Uh, you know, in case something happens, i.e., two thousand and eight, uh, or are you looking? Um, you know, looking just the whole gold because, you know, you think it's cool. I mean, believe it or not, that third option, a lot of people think it's cool to hold gold. doesn't necessarily make it a good investment. So, you know, once I get the answer from the client as to what their motivation is, then I can give them a bit more... Um, I can give them a bit more advice as to the best way to go about holding the gold based on on their motivation and uh, you know whether or not uh, what percentage is is uh, relevant in today's uh, macroeconomic climate and and how best to hold it whether you hold it in physical whether you hold it in an ETF whether you buy gold mining shares um, or whether you uh, you know buy a mutual fund where some uh, where a professional potentially buys and sells um, gold either in the in the form of uh, Stocks or in ETF context uh, and trades uh, trades the market for you the way they would a uh, stock portfolio. Let's um, <clears throat> let's try to generalize it a little bit, which which um, one has to do when uh, you're talking about uh, listeners out there that potentially uh, could be serious investors, and they might do it vis-a-vis their own financial advisor, uh, instructing their uh, financial advisor to in turn. Uh, give them advice about what to purchase, how to purchase, and how much gold to have in their portfolio. But realistically, and you and I have chatted um, previously about this, uh, it's not like a person needs to uh, get so heavily into the precious metals market that they that they have more than five percent, we'll say, uh, in their portfolio. Is that correct? You know, should it be something uh, when you start out, and and even in the long term, that probably doesn't need to be um, much more than five percent of one's portfolio. Again, you know, that it, it, that's not a black and white answer, and, and, and the reason I I'm hesitant to give you a black and white answer on that is that it it really depends on on the environment at the time. For example. Uh, you know the allocation to your uh, to your portfolio uh, in the precious metal sector, be it physical or be it ETFs, uh, in late 2015, uh, I would have been, uh, and we suggested to be more aggressive in in, in your precious metals exposure. Uh, we thought that the market would rally after the Fed rate increase. So you know there are times when when conditions are conducive where you might want to increase your gold holdings or your precious metals holdings in your portfolio uh, given the macro circumstances at the time. And, uh, you know, in that context, from a trader's perspective, loading up on gold uh, late 2015 proved to be an excellent investment. Uh, you know, the, the uh, gold price went up 28% um, running through uh, July of uh, 2016. If the investor though is looking for a position in gold as a hedge against uh, uh, potential uh, issues with the balance of their portfolio uh, I w- usually never recommend more than five percent and uh, but there's also a caveat to that uh, you know there's a lot of uh, talking heads and professional traders out there that you know put a number out there whether it's five or ten percent of your portfolio should always be in gold but they failed to um, complete that thought with the second, with the second sentence, and that second sentence is that, you know, gold is an asset, so therefore you do need to rebalance that asset the way you rebalance your portfolio. 
And as we spoke before, uh, Ron, you know, for example, if an investor had gotten into the gold market in 2008 when the gold price was uh, hanging around $800, by 2011, and let's assume that uh, that investment was 10% of his portfolio, uh, in 2011, gold went to 1920 odd dollars. Um, you have to recalibrate your portfolio. So I would have assumed that that 10% investment that the investor made in 2008 would now maybe represent 16 or 18% of their portfolio. In that context, you, you need to liquidate, you know, 6 or 8% to bring, uh, to bring your balance back to 10. Vice versa, had you been unfortunate and bought in the, at the high at 2011 at 1925, and, you know, you found the market down at 1100 in 2015, uh, your holdings in gold relative to your portfolio probably represented 4 to 6%. In that context, you need to buy uh, the balance, whether it's 6 or 4, to bring it back up to 10 when you do that, you maintain your hedge as an insurance position, uh, but you tend to get out of the gold market uh, when the market rallies, and you tend to get into the market when the market dips, at the same time maintaining your protection against the other 90% of your portfolio. Looking at a relatively <clears throat> short time frame, uh, a year ago and a, and a year from now, and, and, and you know, one thing um, I have come to appreciate uh, in, in talking with you, Peter, is that you're a very realistic guy. You know, you, you, you oftentimes make a reference to um, not only does it p- depend on a uh, an investor's motivation, but you talk about the vast range of macroeconomic factors that influence uh, the price of, of precious metals in general, and in this case specifically gold. But how did uh, today's uh, 1162, 1172 compare with a year ago and let's uh, speculate about a year from now, just just to kind of give us a, a short time frame on, on how the price might fluctuate. Okay, well, at this time last year, gold was trading about $100 below where it is now. So you've, uh, you've got roughly anywhere, uh, depending where you entered, somewhere between an 8 and 10% uh, gain uh, for 2016 at current levels. Uh, you would have had almost a 30% gain had you sold it at the top in July of, of this year. Um, next year, uh, I'm very, very um, skeptical um, about some of the, the programs that are being um, promoted by uh, President-elect uh, Donald Trump. I mean, they sound really good. Um, but, uh, you know, a $1 trillion infrastructure spend, uh, dropping taxes... Uh, I mean, that's going to increase, in my opinion, the budget deficit by anywhere from a half, uh, a half, a half a trillion to a trillion dollars uh, in uh, 2017 alone. You have interest rates starting to move higher, which means that the borrowing cost on the federal debt is going to go up in 2017, and we're already up against a debt ceiling coming up in March of 2017. We have the French elections coming up uh, early in uh, 2017. The Italian elections uh, or the referendum just finished last weekend. And there's a growing populist movement in Europe, uh, which indicates to me that there's a protectionist uh, f- uh, fervor that is developing not only in the United States, uh, but also in, in Europe, which uh, I-, I think could have some really serious uh, economic consequences uh, past the first quarter of uh, 2017. In the short term, between now and, let's say, uh, February of 2017, 
I would expect that the gold market might still have some headwinds uh, as the interest rate differential between the United States, uh, you've got the 10-year U.S. bond trading at about 2.3%, and you have the um, EU bonds trading at zero, and in some cases negative yields for the same time frame, and Japanese rates are in negative territory. So you have this dichotomy of of, uh, central banks where you have the U.S. Federal Reserve sort of on a marginally tight tightening policy, uh, whereas you have the EU and the Japanese still in a very accommodative policy. Uh, Peter, um, uh, let me let me uh, interject here. We're going to be taking a break, so hold that thought. Um, uh, I think uh, you're explaining exactly some of those macroeconomic factors we've been talking about. We're here with Peter Hug. We've been talking about the value of precious metals, about investing in precious metals. We'll be back with Peter Hug in about two minutes. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Merry Christmas from all of us at America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Peter Hug, the global trading director for Kitco Metals, Kitco Precious Metals, uh, I might add, because we've been talking about uh, the value uh, of precious metals to one's portfolio. And uh, before the break, Peter was just starting in on some of the economic factors, particularly abroad, 
and in Europe uh, specifically. Peter, continue on to tell us a little bit about what some of these factors are. I mean, it sets the tone for the program because there really are macroeconomic factors uh, and and political uh, conditions which can influence the marketplace. Uh, you were talking about uh, the populist movement in, in France and uh, and some other factors in Europe. Could please continue along that line. Yeah, we were we were uh, looking at where we possibly would might uh, perceive the gold price to be in uh, in 2017. And uh, as I indicated, I, I'm I'm very skeptical about uh, President-elect Trump's uh, capability to carry off uh, many of, of of the programs that he has put forward. Um, his, uh, you know, infrastructure spend uh, and his uh, tax cuts, I think, alone will add probably a half a trillion to a trillion dollars to the U.S. budget deficit. And, uh, you know, there are some macro events that are going to occur uh, early in um, 2017. You have the French election, and it's, uh, it really looks at least now that uh, that the the outcome of that election is is going to move towards the the populist side as as the Italian referendum did last weekend so you're starting to see a lot of protectionism coming into the market both from the US and the uh, European side uh, which it could be very damaging to the overall global economic uh, landscape the other issue which has been hurting gold in the short run is is the fact that there's a dichotomy between the central banks now in the world. They're not all on the same page. You have the Federal Reserve that's looking to raise rates. It's almost a guarantee they're going to go a quarter point next week. Uh, and there is some belief that the Fed may start to nudge rates higher in 2017, whereas you have the EU uh, that announced uh, just uh, yesterday that they're going to keep uh, their accommodative policies in place through 2017, and the Japanese are also uh, very accommodative uh, with negative rates. So you have a situation where the U.S. 10-year rate is trading at about 2.3%. You have uh, rates in Europe at zero and Japanese rates at negative. So what that creates is capital flows uh, out of the euro, out of the Japanese yen, and into the dollar. Um, so you have a stronger dollar, which is generally a headwind for commodities. Uh, and at the same time, you have Europeans and the Far East investing in the U.S. stock market after the uh, Trump-inspired rally. And now when they buy U.S. stocks, they need to convert their currencies to dollars to settle the trade. So it, it sort of feeds on itself. And that's why you're having this strength in the dollar, which is uh, very uh, counterproductive uh, for um, the precious metals in the short term. But as we move into 2017, um, if Trump were to do any of, of his policy initiatives, especially the infrastructure spend or the tax break, that addition to the budget deficit with interest rates going up is going to make it extremely difficult for the U.S. Uh, to maintain any control over its uh, fiscal policies. And there's a, a debt ceiling uh, approaching in March of 2017. Also, a strong dollar is counterproductive to U.S. growth because multinationals now are not going to be able to sell as much into the Euro European and Far Eastern markets because their products are going to be more expensive. So there's going to be a real push and pull here as, as to how to balance out these, these countervailing forces in 2017, and I think that's going to be enough... Uh, it's going to create enough issues and enough uncertainty uh, where gold again will will become 
something you want to be more aggressive with in 2017, possibly after the first quarter. But it would not surprise me to see gold take out $1,300 next year again. Well, let's uh, put a little bit more of a um, positive slant on the the value and price of, of gold uh, in the long term because like a lot of investments, um, you you need to be patient and and be into uh, that investment for the long haul. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, looking at some of the data that's on your very website, and by the way, if listeners out there are, are interested, you can go right now to www.kitco.com. As you're listening to this broadcast, you can look at the Kitco website, and there is a wealth of information. Uh, one of the... Um, uh, the factors I think that 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 helps to paint a more positive uh, picture of the uh, long term is that gold has always recovered and the value has always increased. The only other area I can think of is maybe real estate, which always recovers in the long run. And I see that if the value were to drop over the next few days, weeks, months, and years, that probably, within even 10 years, we would still start to see it climb and and maybe even peak. Um, Is there any validity to to what I just said, Peter? Uh, I mean, if you go go in past cycles, I mean, you could make that argument. Um, What I'm looking for here, which is usually the last blow-off stage in a commodity cycle, is the inflationary stage. And and we certainly haven't seen any inflation in the system for the past five years. But if any of these policies uh, 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 get implemented from uh, from the U.S. perspective and the Europeans and the Japanese remain accommodative, um, you've got uh, pretty much full employment in the U.S. So the next leg of that story is wage inflation. If we start to see wage inflation uh, come into the picture, and I do believe that that's, uh, that's imminent in the U.S., uh, you've got uh, a central bank that is behind the curve, uh, and they're going to have trouble catching up to inflation, much along the lines of what they did in the 70s, uh, where you ended up eventually having interest rates at 18% and inflation at 15%. Now, I don't think it's going to get that... that uh, crazy again, but I do think uh, the global central banks are going to be behind the curve of inflation, and when that happens, that's usually the the last major leg of a commodity cycle, and that's usually the biggest leg, Uh, and then it's only counteracted once the the central banks catch up and surpass inflation by higher interest rates, which then brings the economy down in, in in a dramatic fashion, and then the commodities collapse again. That cycle has not occurred yet, well, and I do believe that's in front of us. So, if that cycle were to develop anywhere similar to the uh, to the seventies, uh, you know, you could put a number on gold that would easily take out the 20, uh, uh, 2011 high of nineteen twenty five. Well, let's take a look at um, how gold and precious metals have performed uh, uh, over the last. 50 years, we'll say, and, and, and again, let's just talk in generalized terms, but if someone were to have uh, diversified their portfolio and it included uh, gold um, 
as as many as 50 years ago, and, and certainly there could be some uh, uh, 80 and 90 year olds today that 50 years ago uh, got into uh, precious metals, more likely gold or silver. Um, but if they did, and they they have been maintaining a uh, you know one to five percent uh, of their portfolio uh, in in precious metals. And, and and I guess we could look at those separately if you think that that's significant, you know, gold and silver versus other precious metals, um, some of which uh, didn't even exist 50 years ago. But uh, how would that that specific part of their portfolio have performed over the last 50 years? I mean, um, would they have uh, increased significantly uh, in 50 years? Well, I can give you a percentage breakdown. I mean, again, if you're going back 50 years, gold only started freely trading after the Bretton Woods uh, system was uh, was dissolved in in the early 70s, and up until then, gold was fixed at $35 an ounce. Uh, so, I mean, let's assume you bought gold at $35 an ounce, and you've got gold now at 1161. I mean, you can work out the math and see what your return is uh, in the last uh, you know 45 years. Okay, 45 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, silver back then, uh, when I got into the business, was trading under two dollars, and uh, you know now it's at seventeen dollars. So I, I mean, just on a straight line basis, you can work out uh, you can work out your percentage uh, o- over the years. Uh, it, it really depends when you get in and out of the market uh, to, to be able to uh, you know assess whether uh, it, you know it's done well relative to your overall portfolio. And, you know, I've never been, uh, since I've been in this business, and I've certainly had reasons, um, given macro, uh, 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 the macroeconomic environments over the past 45 years, uh, to sometimes be more aggressive uh, uh, on the precious metal side. But, you know, gold doesn't always do well. And, uh, and, uh, and I'll give you an example. I mean, it did extremely well between 79 and, and 81 when it ran up to, uh, you know, from basically $140 to $850, and silver ran from about $3 up to $50. And then it started coming down, and it hit its low in 92. Uh, gold was trading around $280, and silver was down back uh, in around the $6, $7 range. And it took a good 10 years before, uh, you know, gold started to come back. Uh, so from 92 to 02, gold basically didn't do much. It held between sort of 280 and 380, uh, and silver was trading between uh, 5 and $8 an ounce. Uh, and then you have the macro event, and uh, and and then gold took off, uh, and and you went from four hundred dollars gold to uh, nineteen hundred dollars gold, and uh, you know you went from six seven dollars silver up to fifty dollars silver again, and those cycles will repeat, and every time the cycle repeats, uh, the gold price will be higher than the last high cycle. We're in a cycle right now, which, if growth does occur and everything stabilizes and interest rates normalize, it is usually not a good cycle to be in gold. However, I think because of the central bank policies with their easing, especially in Europe and in Japan, and the budget deficits that we are now facing, um, I do not see gold uh, not doing anything again for a prolonged period of time. Now, we may get some short-term weakness with the stronger dollar, may see gold again test the $1,100 range, uh, but overall, holding a percentage of your portfolio on gold in these economic times, in my opinion, makes more sense than ever. Um, Peter, we're going to be taking another break. When we come back, um, I'm going to try to uh, 
see if uh, I can't uh, help you in turn help our listeners get a, 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 a positive sense of uh, where gold, uh, uh, the value of gold and silver will go and other precious metals. We're here with Peter Hug of Kitco Precious Metals. We'll be back with Peter right after this break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. With all the back and forth in today's politics... It seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we've been talking with Peter Hug, the Global Trading Director for Kitco Precious Metals. And we've been talking about the cycles that and, and macroeconomic factors that, that influence uh, uh, those cycles uh, and the ups and downs in the value and in the price of gold, silver, and other precious metals. And before the break, Peter was talking about these cycles. Peter... Uh, isn't what much of what you said, doesn't it underscore the reason that people need to uh, invest uh, for the long term? Again, much like other stocks which could fluctuate from the Coca-Cola company to IBM, uh, you know, they have very, very um, uh, distinct uh, macroeconomic factors and uh competitive marketplace factors that influence the value of of their stock uh, but overall there's a there's an upward trend and in the case of gold particularly and and silver um, there has been a distinct overall upward trend which leads you to believe you 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 should be in it for the long haul I mean is that is that still not the case no I, I I'm not dissuading uh, uh, investors to be holding a per- uh, a position in their in their portfolio in gold again um, comes down to motivation. Now, if, you, if you're trading it, uh, this may not be the time to enter the gold market. Uh, if you're a uh, an investor that wants some protection against the portfolio, which I think after this rally in the equity market is certainly justified, um, buying gold at these levels uh, again, it's the psychology here. It's it's sort of like the old uh, the old argument. 
I need a little bit of gold or I want some gold as an insurance position against the balance of my portfolio. Now, once you use that word, insurance position, you have to treat it as an insurance position, uh, other than the fact, as I mentioned earlier, that you need to rebalance that portfolio at least every six months, uh, which will get you, uh, you know, rebalanced relative to the balance of your, uh, of your other assets. But people say it, they say, okay, I'm going to buy gold as an insurance position, and then they get very upset when gold drops $20. You know, it's like buying life insurance or buying car insurance, and then you get really upset at the end of the year that you've paid your premium and you didn't go to the doctor or you didn't have an accident. Uh, I mean, the concept is it's supposed to protect part of your portfolio. And if the balance of your portfolio does extremely well because the macroeconomic conditions change, your gold position may not perform well. Uh, but that's going to be a very small part of your portfolio, and the balance will, will do extremely well which will make technically should make you happy and then when you run into these economic shocks like 2008 uh, you're going to have a position in your portfolio that's not going to protect your portfolio totally but certainly will do extremely well in those circumstances and make up some of, uh, of the losses that you're going to experience in, in the balance of your portfolio so again it's how you approach the investment well and, and in fact um, you know the psychological profile of investors is um, significant for uh, the manner in which any given investor uh, instructs their advisor or vice versa. They're instructed by their advisor given um, the psychological disposition, just, you know, risk uh, aversion uh, alone um, influences you know, wh- what they might uh, add to their portfolio um, when they buy, when they sell. And, and and so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the uh, the psychological factors that go into uh, why people buy gold. And I know that as a child, I was given a uh, a gold ring. I didn't think much of it. I think I looked on the underside, and it actually said 24K, really teeny tiny. I saw it with a magnifying glass. So it was a soft ring that got stepped on. And I remember that I wasn't going to necessarily toss it, but I don't think I was going to keep track of it until uh, uh, my parent uh, said, you know, that's that's gold, and you don't want to throw that away. <laughs> uh, so that the the initial factor was, oh, this is a cool ring. It had it was a signet ring and had my um, initial, and um, I didn't necessarily understand the intrinsic value of the metal um, that didn't come for a while but that got set aside and in a sense that became the first piece of gold that that was added uh, uh, in some sense to my portfolio with a piece or some gold here and there along the way but how is it that um, the vast majority of investors not traders so much not, investors could become traders I guess uh, but uh, is it is it once a uh, a portfolio is reasonably mature uh, that a financial advisor might uh, suggest to a, an investor that they consider gold or how do people come to looking at precious metals as a serious part of their portfolio and seriously getting into um, purchasing an amount that could even approach two percent three percent four percent five percent. You know, if we're going to ignore the uh, trader group in the market, uh, you know, I see the demographics uh, for precious metals investors 
and, and, and more, I'm more focused here on the U.S. Canada doesn't tend to have the, um, uh, the first class that I'm going to speak about. Um, we don't tend to have the um, same history uh, of, uh, the, uh, of gold, uh, not, uh, of gold uh, ownership being banned as the U.S. has. Uh, nor do we have uh, the same types of concerns uh, about our financial systems or our government in Canada. It, that could be naive. It's just the way the Canadians uh, are built. We tend to be sort of laid back and not worry too much about anything. In the American market, there's, I think, two, two significant classes of, of investors uh, for precious metals on the retail side. One, uh, I believe, uh, are, the, are the investors that are influenced uh, by people... Um, that have, since the 70s, uh, some of them are still around, albeit they're on walkers. I run into them uh, the odd time at conferences. Uh, uh, they still post their pictures from uh, the 80s, uh, but when you see them, um, they're on walkers. Uh, but they're, they're still uh, spouting uh, that the financial world uh, will implode, that the U.S. government will uh, confiscate your gold, uh, that the... Um, requirement for gold uh, will be for a barter system as the financial system collapses and uh, fiat currency uh, becomes worthless. And, and this group of investors, which uh, actually does take a sizable chunk of the physical market uh, um, offtake in the U.S., tend to buy small units, uh, fractional coins, um, usually nothing much higher than one ounce, uh, because their perception is, uh, based on what they've been told, that gold is going to be at five or ten or twenty thousand dollars an ounce, and you need uh, small increments of gold to uh, be able to barter when the uh, apocalypse comes. Uh, I won't necessarily comment on on uh, on, on the, uh, the veracity of that argument, uh, but that is a significant portion of the of the gold offtake in the U.S. market specifically. The second class is... And, and they're, buying, are they, they're buying small amounts uh, of, of bullion, or are they... Are those all, it's all bullion physical, uh, and again, because uh, they've been trained or they believe that the system uh, is, is corrupt, uh, that uh, they do not trust safekeeping accounts, they won't hold paper gold by that, I mean they won't buy ETFs, uh, they won't buy gold stocks, um, they don't believe any of that is a viable investment. Uh, they want to hold the physical gold in their hand, uh, almost always uh, uh, take delivery of the gold and, and store it wherever, uh, you know, uh, whether uh, not in a safety deposit bank at a bank because they don't trust the banks. Uh, so usually store it at home. Um, and they buy small units because the, they perceive that they're going to need these small units when it comes down to uh, being able to barter uh, for goods and services when the fiat uh, money system collapses. The uh, second uh, group, which I consider, I call more the conservative investor, These are the, uh, this group basically looks at gold as, as, a, um, as an investment that should form part of the overall portfolio. You know, whether you put a 3, 5, or a 10% handle on that position, these investors uh, have a variety, they use a variety of options to create that percentage. Uh, they don't have a fear of, of, uh, of the government uh, taking their gold. Uh, they have relative trust in the financial system. Uh, so you'll see these investors uh, leaning towards ETFs, mutual funds, gold mining shares, uh, and also physical gold. But on, in that context, on the physical gold, 
They also have confidence in their dealer to have an allocated storage account for them, so they have liquidity when they want to sell it. Um, they don't necessarily want to take small product. They want to buy product, if they are buying physical, that is the best price sensitive to the market. Uh, because when you buy physical gold, uh, the old James Bond movie, Goldfinger, uh, you saw the 400-ounce gold bars. When you see a price for gold quoted, you know, be it New York or London, that's for 400-ounce gold bars. <coughs> when you buy smaller units, the cost of the unit increases as the size of the unit decreases. So a conservative investor doesn't want to buy fractional coins where they're paying 15 20% premiums over gold. Um, they want to buy something that as close as possible resembles what the actual gold price is. So they tend to buy larger bars, kilo bars, 100-ounce bars, uh, because that clo more closely approximates what the actual world gold price is. So then when they sell it, they don't have to overcome a massive spread. So those are basically the two types of physical buyers. There's, there's a third category, which I call the collector. Uh, they tend to be influenced by uh, product offerings from the mints, um, and to give you an example, the Royal Canadian Mint in 2015 came up with a, a different coin for every single business day of the year. And I mean, if you wanted to buy, a, a, for example, a silver coin of a monkey riding an elephant holding an umbrella drinking a daiquiri, I'm sure there is somebody in the world that has made that coin. And people like it. They think the design is cool, it usually comes in a nice box, usually give it away as a gift, but as an investment, it's absolutely terrible because the premiums on this product uh, are usually anywhere from 20 to 70 percent over the intrinsic value of the coin uh, and when you go to resell it you're lucky if a dealer will pay you milk for it so if you like the coin as a gift you want to give it to somebody because it has some meaning might be an airplane might be an animal um, this collector group uh, also takes a significant amount of precious metals off the market and and this offtake tends to stay off the market, tends to end up in somebody's drawer, and uh, then when they die, their kids find it, and then they usually walk into a dealer and melt it down. Oh, Peter, we're going to be taking a break here in a little bit. When we come back, um, there are a couple things I, I'd like you to touch on. One of them is to, we'll talk about traders and, and ETFs. Have you uh, shed some light on on, on the serious uh uh, marketplace uh, of uh, buying and selling gold uh, and and uh, jewelers and mines um, and uh, also um, I'll, I'll have you tell me where I can get a monkey elephant uh, on an elephant uh, <laughs> uh, drinking a daiquiri uh, coin we're, we're here with uh, Peter Hug the uh, global trading director for Kitco Precious Metals we've been talking about the precious metals marketplace. We've been focusing on gold and silver. Uh, we'll continue along that line uh, when we return. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Skip Coriel. 
host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you will be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Peter Hug, the Global Trading Director for Kitco Precious Metals. And we've been talking about precious metals, and we've been talking about uh, the, the value of gold, silver, and other precious metals as part of one's portfolio. And before the break, Peter shed some light on uh, the category of uh, the, the the three primary categories of uh, gold buyer: the collector, uh, the bullion uh, uh, buyer, and and the conservative investor who um, who wants uh, gold as a portion of their portfolio as an insurance position. And now, Peter, I want to have you tell us a little bit about. Uh, the institutional uh, uh, trader and about ETFs and 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 uh, shed a little light on on that area and uh, uh, jewelers and mines maybe you could touch on. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, um, you know when I uh, I just came back from uh, one of the uh, the premier gold conferences in October in New Orleans. It's uh, it's uh, been a uh, sort of the biggest uh, gold conference in North America since uh, the early 1980s. And, uh, you know, part of my presentation was uh, uh, speaking uh, to the psychology of investors uh, on the various groups that they, uh, uh, that they represent in the market. But I also looked at, uh, you know, what was different back in, in, in the late 70s relative now. And, you know, other than the obvious, which uh, we didn't have computers, our best technology was an IBM Selectric typewriter. Uh, we didn't have fax machines, and uh, obviously there wasn't the Internet. Um, the product offerings that were available then are almost the same as they are now, except for two uh, categories, one being the ETFs uh, and the other one being some uh, some uh, trading vehicles that are relatively new on the CME. But the um, ETFs basically opened the door uh, for the small investor that wanted to come in and not deal in the physical market, uh, and be able to buy one unit of gold, uh, whereby the ETF had that uh, unit of gold, again, in context of paper backed by physical gold. They could trade it at relatively competitive spreads. Uh, an ETF uh, carries about a half a percent per annum uh, admin cost to it, uh, and there is a relatively tight spread in the market between bid and offer. 
Um, so it, it opened the door for sort of the small investor to get into a market that was really shut off from them other than the physical market. And they could go, uh, you know, through their uh, 401ks, they could go through their advisors and basically buy uh, these gold ETFs the same way they would buy, um, you know, Apple stock or, or a gold mining share. And that's really added a lot of liquidity and a lot of volume uh, to the cash market in the precious metals business. And again, given the right macro circumstances, i.e. Um, late 2015 through um, the first eight months of 2016, uh, when gold moved, um, you had uh, serious inflows into the ETFs. I mean, in, in, in hundreds of metric tons of gold um, coming into the market. And as, as the market basically peaked late uh, or mid-2016, uh, uh, late July, uh, and the market started to weaken off, uh, these ETFs uh, basically started to liquidate their gold. And it's not the ETF liquidating the gold, it's just investors saying, well, you know, gold's coming down, I want to sell. ETF gets, uh, gets a redemption order from a broker. They then have to sell the underlying gold uh, that's in the ETF uh, to create the cash for the redemption, uh, almost like mutual funds. So if you're unhappy with a, a large mutual fund, you sell it, the mutual fund has no choice but to sell stocks, generate the cash to repay you on the redemption of the mutual fund. ETFs work the same way. Uh, so it's created a lot of liquidity in the market uh, and a lot of volume, but also a lot of, 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 of movement that's exaggerated because when an ETF comes in, for example, if you had a major player that wanted to liquidate you know, $50 million worth of gold on an ETF. Well, there's $50 million of gold that's going to hit the bid in the market. And depending on what, what, the, uh, what the market is at the time, if the market's already inherently weak for, for a, a macro reason or for, you know, for another reason, it's already sort of on a weakish tone, uh, you, hit an, you hit the bid with another $50 million worth of gold, and that just ex accelerates the sale. Then you have other people saying, well, it's going down more, and it becomes a cycle. And, you know, as people see the price go down, they sell their ETFs, which causes the ETF to sell gold, which causes the price to go lower, and then more people think it's going lower, so they sell again. It's sort of almost self-fulfilling uh, on the downside as well as on the upside. Right now, we're in a downtrend, and that's why you're seeing these ETF liquidations. Uh, Peter, I want to turn to, uh, for a moment, uh, there are listeners out there who may have um, uh, investments in, in gold and silver, but not other precious metals, and, and they may have given it some thought. What are some of the other precious metals that should be on, on their radar? Again, if you believe that uh, President-elect Trump is going to be able to pull this off and we're going to get a rebound in the U.S. economy that's sustainable in 2017, uh, the metals that have been ignored... Uh, over the past uh, year and a half are what we call the PGMs, and that's the Platinum Group Metals. Uh, platinum has only twice in its history, and that once over the last year and a half, and once prior, which was back in the 80s, has ever traded at a discount to gold. You know, And Platinum um, was at a $330 discount to the price of gold, um, as little as uh, two months ago. It's come back quite a bit. It's only at about a $230 discount. But again, platinum is trading at a discount to gold. And if you believe that the industrial recovery is going to take uh, shape and is going to move forward, then there is a way now to trade uh, platinum relative gold. In the old days, um, uh, uh, 
about two months ago, which I'll call the old days, and I'll explain that in a minute, uh, was that the only way you could do a platinum gold ratio was you'd have to go into the futures market and you'd either have to buy a contract of gold and sell a contract of platinum or vice versa, depending on how you played the ratio. So you were in the futures market on both sides of, of, the, uh, of the transaction. You, you had to come up with initial margin on both sides uh, and you had maintenance margin on both sides. Current, uh, the CME launched a, a product about a month ago which was called a ratio trade. You can actually now go and trade the ratio. So if Platinum was at a $330 discount to gold and you believed that ratio was going to tighten, you could sell that $330 price and today you would be able to buy it back at $230 because Platinum has come in about $100 to gold and make your money there and it's just one trade. So there are changes being made and, and, uh, and improvements to the futures market which will allow smaller investors to be able to take advantage of some of these uh, ratio trades. You can now trade gold against silver, platinum against gold, palladium against platinum. So there are times in these markets where you can actually be negative gold but still be in the market. So you could be right now, you could be short gold, long platinum. And you're betting here that the platinum gold ratio is going to narrow. What? And you could make money and be protected on both sides of the trade. You would lose if the platinum ratio widened out again to $300, but if it narrowed, you would make money without having exposure to the market. Peter, what about some of the other uh, <coughs> rare earth elements uh, that fall under the uh, precious metals umbrella that thing? Uh, uh, metals which go into, for example, lithium-ion batteries uh, and, and uh, maybe changing uh, the value of some of these uh, uh, rare earth elements. Do, do, can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, there is, you know, there are markets. The, the problem with the markets uh, in those metals is that they're extremely thin. Um, I mean, uh, rhodium over the past... Uh, for weeks has gone up approximately $100 an ounce. Uh, but the spread in the rhodium market, and this is on a wholesale basis, is roughly $50. I mean, it's still a relatively wide spread. It's almost, uh, based on current market, uh, about 8%. Uh, then you have uh, metals like iridium and ruthenium, uh, and, and there are dealers that make markets in them. Um, but for a retail investor, it's extremely difficult to get into them. Now, you could get into... Um, companies that, for example, the lithium uh, market uh, that uh, that mine lithium, um, it, there was an explosion in some of those companies. Some of them went up two, three hundred percent in in twenty sixteen. In twenty sixteen, on the basis that uh, the lithium um, supply would be insufficient to meet the demand for the, uh, the lithium batteries that were expected to come out. Now, a lot of that is, is strictly speculation because most of these companies, in fact, almost all of these companies, uh, are in negative cash flow, um, and the prospect of them making money somewhere down the road is questionable at best. But, you know, when you, you get these types of moves, when you get the, you get the perception that this is going to happen, so you get these, these incredible moves with nothing underneath it, sort of similar to the dot-com uh, bubble in 2000, 
where you had companies that basically just had a dot-com behind their name that had absolutely no money. Half of them didn't have a product. And uh, their stocks went from, you know, 50 cents to $5. I mean, just incredible, incredibly ridiculous. And eventually the bubble burst and everything collapsed and went to zero. And you, you've had that type of thing in lithium uh, through 2016. I don't think I'd go uh, near lithium stocks right now, given their valuation and the fact that uh, they really haven't produced anything and they're not making any money. Uh, I mean, I, I, I tend to stay away from any company, including gold mining shares, uh, that aren't producing revenue. Uh, Peter, uh, I, I, I'm unfortunately going to have to interrupt you because we're, we're coming to the end of the program, and I definitely okay. wanted to remind listeners that they could learn a lot about the precious metals marketplace by going to the kitco.com, K-I-T-C-O.com mark, um, website. Um, there's just a wealth of information on selling options, uh, Information on metal quotes, charts, and, and data, and um, the market overview. They can see some of your commentaries on, on the marketplace uh, and just learn an awful lot. So, um, Peter, thank you so much um, for shedding some light. Well, I'll just have to have you back because I can tell you're a wealth of information. We could probably have a few shows dedicated to the precious metals marketplace and to uh, investing in, in uh, gold and silver. Thank you, Peter, for being on the the Business Hour. My pleasure, Ron. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the Internet and the radio next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.